When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a bonus episode of There Will Be Dungeons. This is a Q&A episode where we sit around roundtable style and answer your questions that have been flooding in since about 30 days ago. And uh, we do this every month. So... Thanks, first of all, for supporting us. If you're getting this early, you know who you are, and we're really grateful for you. So keep that up, and uh, tell your friends about how this works, because maybe they'd want this bonus info as well. Uh, They get it late, but they get it really late. You're the tip of the spear. So thank you guys so much. All right, let's get back to it. Kristen has a bunch of questions compiled for all of us, and we'll start with those. Kristen, what do you have? All right, first one. Has Bo considered having a wild magic-esque table for when Scott slash Nash licks or eats unusual stuff? Also, has there ever been something Bo has put in the com- campaign intentionally for Nash slash Scott to eat? And if so, did Scott take the bait? Oh, this is a great question. I want to know, too. <laughs> yeah, so I can answer. The first one was, have I ever considered putting anything for Nash to eat? Is that right? Uh, a magic wild magic-esque table oh like table yeah it was did. the table sorry that's why okay, yeah. i forgot um so i've definitely considered it but it's hard to predict and i yes i've considered it that's okay. what i'm gonna answer so you've considered it but um, haven't so that means he may still what about the i other just don't thing? want to over explain so i've considered it yes okay and um has nash you know has there ever been anything planted for nash to lick uh I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> Ooh. Why? Now I need to know. Really? You can't say because you've done it. That means you've done it. It's a little bit too. I don't want to give away too much of my logic. That on means you've We're done it. I game. ate a mushroom and it gave us light. That was it. Probably. No. I mean, I definitely put all kinds of things in for all the players to play with, but also I put innocuous things in that I, I don't have any clue he's going to lick. And, and that happens too. So okay. a little bit of both. All right. Let's say. Now I just so have it's to a guess. little wild magic esque. You never know what what's going to be taken and what. Yeah, yeah. I, I I guess if somebody wants to know how the sausage gets made, I don't exclusively rely on any tables, but the tables are tools that are there to use if the context permits it. Sure. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. How does Stanley feel knowing that Nash had a probable hand in just about? all his life will he go down the rabbit hole of if nash didn't time travel and probably say something stupid my family might still be alive i don't know if he would go that far i mean we got into a little bit of it in today's episode um i don't think stanley loves to pick on nash and he has a very brotherly relationship with nash where it's he likes to tease him he likes to mess with him 
but I don't think he would see Nash as being at fault for any of this. And he certainly doesn't hate it just because it's Nash. Um, but he definitely has complicated feelings about the whole thing. I just don't think right now, at the very least, they're aimed at Nash. Mm. Yeah, he has every right to be. It's like finding out that, um, oh gosh, what's a, what's a good example for this? It's like finding out the the pivotal point of the entire Star Wars saga ends up being a Jawa or something. It's just Jar-Jar. like it's like what freaking yeah or Jar Jar Binks another good example. <laughs> like you don't want to hear that the whole time you've been you know it's it's you're, you it's it's easy to get dismissive of Nash's like coarser behavior or his just like bumbling attitude or he wants to eat everything or he doesn't trust some stuff but trusts other things you know all this bull crap that he does you don't want to then find out that oh my gosh he's the you know he's the king arthur of this store not the king arthur i don't want to make it like that but you know what i mean like it's an he has an important pivotal thing to play here i like i feel bad for anyone who has to watch nash suddenly find out he has a bigger role to play. <laughs> it's like you are grateful to live in a world that has Deadpool in it. You love his movies. Yep. You you love that he exists. But if Deadpool just randomly showed up and was the one who defeated Thanos, you'd probably be like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Everybody got there, was about to say Avengers Assemble or whatever, and then suddenly he comes and just does it and everyone's standing there. Like, there is there is that feeling, and I get it. So I wouldn't I wouldn't blame Stanley for having his misgivings about it. I would, if I were Stanley and I think Nash has misgivings about it. I don't like the, he doesn't like the, the, the pressure. He doesn't like the responsibility of knowing there's more, more there. Like the character doesn't, I I like seeing how it's going to play out, but yeah, Nash doesn't want it. He doesn't want that. With great power comes great responsibility. He doesn't want any. <laughs> exactly. We, we didn't even want kids, but here they are. Yeah. Four of them. <laughs> All right, Varel, uh, do you still consider the dragon's gods after traveling around the cosmos and experiencing everything Varel has, especially now that he's witnessed one die to lowly die in Talus? It's pretty messed up. We didn't address it today because it didn't come up, but there's definitely that continuation of the squirt's death going on where just <sighs> nobody can be trusted outside the group and no one will survive or is powerful enough to be with the group. However, there is still the Sigil Lady, uh, Maiden of Pain, right? And Lady. she's still blue as mine. Lady of Pain, yeah. So that would be a current representation of a god. But yes, it is a little world shattering that a dragon jumped out and immediately died. In fact, died faster than Varel would have. Or maybe Varel was winning in his mind, which makes it even worse. Yeah. Also, lowly Diane Talis. Yeah, Come right. <laughs> let's not take pot shots in the middle of our questions. <laughs> uh, I think everyone's to, pretty excited for that. You've been wanting to dust that <laughs> off for a while. Yeah, I don't blame you. If we could script this because we can't, I would give you the lines to read when I played Diane Talis. <laughs> but it's not scripted. No. How would you all rate your character friendships from early campaign to now? I.e., who did Hope feel closest to when they started playing versus who she feels closest to now in the group? Oh. Oh, that one's funny. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, 
so you know stanley and nash have this thing where they're just you know irritated with each other or whatever i don't think that's changed much i think that's kind of the same as it's always been and when push yeah, comes to shove and crap each other quite a bit yeah when yeah, stuff, when poop's for... about to hit the fan we tend to, we tend to come together when it matters but then during the off time you know we're kind of off putting to each other and that's never really changed i don't think not really. I think for the beginning, Stanley probably genuinely didn't like Nash. Like, <laughs> I think he probably saw like the Thunder Wave incident in episode <laughs> one and was like, oh, it's a guy that's going to get all of us killed. That's somebody that we shouldn't have around. <laughs> and um, he he probably genuinely didn't much care for Nash. But I, I think very quickly, like he became endearing to him, like. For Stanley, Stanley spent a lot of time in the early campaign telling himself he didn't care about these people. Um, and I don't think it was true for most of it, but I think he tried to convince himself for a very long time that that was how he felt about it, even though his actions probably suggested otherwise. And so I think, I don't think his relationships have changed all that much. I know it's probably more strained with Varel. I mean, when we were just out reading the dictionary together while Hope and Nash adventured, <laughs> like <laughs> that was probably peak friendship for them. And it's probably more of a, a strained relationship now as they've struggled to have their, their two viewpoints um, coexist. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think overall Stanley has always liked Varel, And I don't think that has changed um, despite the fact that they butt heads probably more often. Yeah. I will say this when we early on in the campaign, Nash felt an overwhelming um, thing where he felt like he had to protect uh, hope. That's, that was like a weirdly paramount thing for him. Um, He didn't even express it that often. He just felt like he had to do it. And he's still loyal in that way. Uh, if she says, we're doing this, then we're doing that. Um, so that's still a thing. But she's proved herself to be so much more formidable than even he is power-wise that he doesn't, he no longer, you know, it's no longer like, oh, I got to protect her. It's more like, oh, she probably should protect me <laughs> from myself mm-hmm. half the time. That that kind of thing is definitely a thing with, with that character. But my relationship with Varel hasn't changed at all. Like, he's still... He's still who he is. We have a very good sort of collaborative workplace relationship, I think. Varel and Nash do. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. certainly end up on the team, just ask the damn question, let's go straight there. <laughs> right. Where <laughs> as Stanley and Hope have all these trappings and responsibilities and social Back obligations. Yeah. 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 That just get in the way of just hitting the guy in the mouth that you got to hit, asking the question yeah. you got to ask. Right. Right. There is there is an efficiency to that relationship and it and it goes into combat as well. It's like my first thought is what can I do to Varel to make him bigger, stronger, faster, better? Like what it what how what am I doing to, to do that? Because to me he's he's our blunt instrument and everybody else supports that in some way. So that's always on on deck. Like I don't know, that relationship hasn't changed really at all. Um and is still, I think, an efficient. It's an efficient relationship between two very, very different creatures in the in this world. Like they couldn't be yeah. more different, but they're they're compatible in that way. Yeah, like, and then like Hope's that. kind of come at it. Well, it started very Road Warrior, so it was more. This group was very, very amusing. 
very funny to watch and kind of get into scraps with. But now it's been really cool with Stanley because Hope's really kind of seen just how similar their backgrounds are. And so that's kind of opening this... um, she feels like she has a family again kind of a thing. And then with the arm and her, she's very aware that she has an impending death coming. So that's kind of really hit her hard over these past few episodes where she was just kind of sitting there thinking. And yeah, so they're family now, I think. Hope's really kind of reached an emotional maturity. She's let go of the past mm-hmm. a bit. Yep. Yep. For the DM, is are there character growth moments that have made you the happiest, proudest, or most shocked from or of the players? Wow, there isn't just one. There are like hundreds. So it's like trying to pick from your favorite children. In particular, this last run of episodes, um, I'm even kind of shocked at how, like, honestly, I know this is conceited or whatever, but how good they are. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't mean that as like because of me. I mean that because of you guys. Like the last run from like I would mark a certain point from when you guys were picked up in Tietkala to like now. Everyone's just I don't know. I guess a lot of stuff's getting revealed. A lot of lore's getting dropped. But there's a lot of even just from that one divergence where you split into the two teams. The, a lot of misunderstandings arose, and a lot of things that weren't addressed in the past are just kind of all getting ironed out and everyone's I can see everyone kind of changing along with their characters I suppose like trying to reorient themselves or look at what's happened in the past and feel like they're not that happy with the you know fall of Razak Val and Tiet Kala and what's been going on and that everyone's regrouping mentally to face uh, their true enemies Mm -hmm. so I don't know this last run has been the best and I don't know that I'm filled with tears of joy, but I think about it all week. <laughs> like <laughs> I think about it a lot, and I think about the things that uh, you guys have done, and I watch back those my favorite scenes. Um, yeah, if you're watching right now, this has been the best stuff, and I think you all know what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Did Stanley get nerfed when he lost Diantalis? Did he have to level up again to make up for the loss? Uh. I mean, Bo can talk more about this too, but I don't think Diantalis was ever very OP. Uh, it, it allowed me to uh, once per day, um, and I didn't always have a say of who was in charge on what given day, and it allowed me once per day to change my class to another class of the exact same level and the exact same stats, um, which maybe is a, is a little OP, but I don't, it never felt that way. It felt more like a hindrance than anything to play Diantalis. Um, as f- from a mechanical standpoint, it, it did. Um, it was sometimes freeing in that, you know, Diantalis was a little more on Varel's side and a little, it was easier to move the plot along. Like, oh, somebody's holding us up. Let's kill him. You know, that's an easy decision for Diantalis to make. That's a hard decision for Stanley to make. Um, but I think. I think Diantalis was very balanced. Does not need to be patched. He was fine. (laughs) Yes. I mean, Stanley, uh, sorry, Diantalis was, uh, um, it's a little bit confounding because he is also the archfate of the pact that the character had. You know what I mean? So even though you were switching to Diantalis in another class, 
Diantalus was the the being that the warlock would have entered into the relationship with. It's just weird because you're also playing as Diantalus while worshiping yourself. Yeah, and <laughs> we always warlock. played it uh, <laughs> like I always played it with the idea of an archfey is so incredibly powerful you can't fit that in the body of a mortal. Like there's an mm. essence and there's a knowledge and there's a power that just isn't going to fit. It's like too much liquid trying to go into too small of a cup. Yeah. And so I always kind of played it and treated it as this cup is as full as it can be. And he can't necessarily control what's in there because theoretically Diane Talis might have answers to questions we would have and could just very easily answer them if he was so inclined. But it's going to become very boring if I'm constantly asking Bo, you know, does Diantalus have the answer to that? Does Diantalus know this? So the idea was always that Stanley did not have full access to Diantalus. That's why he was a, you know, whatever the level was at the time uh, that I was playing him, warlock. And he wasn't some insane god character permanently destroying stats with a swing of a scythe. He was just like, he was like a warlock of that level. And that was kind of how I explained it and how it justified it in the game. That's awesome. That's a great way to treat it in terms of, like you said, asking Bo all the time if Diantalus would know that information. Uh, does anyone know what song or where the classical music that Scott uses for the pixie blush hallucination slash bonbon attacks come from? I want to do a drug effect in my sessions, and that music is perfect. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I think I got that track from uh, tabletopaudio.com, I think. Um, actually, I might have it right here. Let me just, for poops and giggles, see if I can find it. Yeah, so like there's an there's a uh okay, so if you go to tabletopaudio.com and you go to uh I think it's House on the Hill. There's a lot of haunting type stuff in there. It's meant for scenarios of, you know, people playing horror scenarios in their pen and paper games. And I think it's this right here. Let's play it. Is it playing? Oh. Yeah, this is it. Oh nice, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like it's meant to actually be creepy like as if there's a bunch of ghosts waltzing in the background but for me it works better as like a go- like a, oh no we're it's there's definitely levity that I associate with that music as soon as yeah. I hear it I'm like something silly's happening but also like gross yeah if there's something about it like it's got you that guys haunted going, mansion feel right yeah like Nash don't let him meet the bonbon there's just something <laughs> funny about that juxtaposition, which is why I used it. And I used it also for when Nash was hallucinating. So good call on that listener for catching it. By the way, I think this qualifies you for co-DM credit because you're basically foleying and musicking all of our <laughs> session. Normally the DM's job. So so what you're saying uh, is I can give myself inspiration anytime I want. That's you know, what you're saying? Okay. Well, uh, you're not the DM of the game, but you are a co-DM. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, you know, I, I just want to say like on that level of partnership, you know, if someone's like, if you, you can't really say you've never DM'd a game because you have some mm. sense of what it's about by prepping songs and sounds for the experience. Yeah, the hard part is so. scrambling for like you know, you guys are talking about uh, well, like ghosts are a problem for me, and I just happened to have a thing up that was like, "Oh no, this would be great because I'm gonna have these weird little kids and this." Daddy, ki- where's mommy? <laughs> Not that one. How about this one? <laughs> like this one, like kids laughing and the heartbeat and all that. Like that was just at my fingertips, 
so it made sense for me to just pull that stuff up and go. Sometimes I'd I'll scramble and not find what I want, but I try. I try to make it so it feel it feels like we're yeah, no, definitely. At some points, talking, it absolutely you know? a thousand percent enhances everything that's going on. Like mm-hmm. whenever I've listened back to the audio version of the show, yeah, right. Because yeah. during and the it's show, like they present know also people, in the video, but in the audio, it really stands out. And people should know this when we when we're doing it live. These guys don't they hear some of it, but they don't necessarily hear all of it because I'm keeping it low so it doesn't really distract from the game. Um, but people at home will both stream and uh, you know live people and the podcast. I so far nothing but great response to us even doing that i hope that's true for most of our listeners that they really i mean i find it super good you're right the audio version is the best version for the foley work and stuff because yeah. just the way discord works too it just doesn't pipe it in correctly no, no. Uh, like a studio or anything so right yeah but the audio product's good as far as i can tell well good so I, I really like it so there you go and it's a great resource i've mentioned it before on these bonus shows but tabletopaudio.com is rad. They have all kinds of stuff that I use. I use things from all over the place, but this is definitely a resource I use. We need one for your underwear. Yeah, I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> one day at a time. Oh, I found it. I have... Here it is. Oh, dude. Just kidding. It's not it. That sounds like a laundry machine. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DM question coming up here. And, and of course, anyone can answer if they have ideas, but I've just started running a game for my family. This is my first time as DM and the first time playing for them. We're having a great time and we wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for TWBD. My question is, as a DM, if you see the player doing something they don't need to, like holding on to their spells or rage for a fight that won't come, do you try to let them know or do you just stay silent? I thought of giving hints, but everything I could think of was too obvious. And one of the players is a child in their game. Okay. Um, sorry. I think because of my ADHD, I actually just stopped listening halfway through the question. I'm really sorry about that. Can you just reframe it for me, please? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say we're playing a game and all of us are holding on to our top level spells because we think an encounter is going to come up in this session. But as mm. a DM, you know that encounter is not going to come up. So we uh. should be free to use our, our cool stuff. Yeah, um, that's just a tough thing with the design of the game. And, you know, if you've got, if you've got a version of Kyle at your table, he's just going to accuse you of trying to... <laughs> he's going to call out the tricks. Yeah, he's like DM metagaming. Uh, so if you have one of those at your table, you'll want to not do that because they'll call you out and then everyone will be on high alert. Um, uh, so, but the idea behind playing is that everyone's at the table to have fun. And so people feeling really anxious about not using their stuff. I mean, it causes me a great deal of pain too. And I'm sure you see it on the show when they're like, ah, oh, we don't want to use this. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, just blow all your spells and turn into Tyrannosaurus. In order for people to feel a sense of danger that the world is real and hostile, just like in the real world, if you had, I don't know why you'd have a rocket launcher, but if you had a rocket launcher and only three rockets, if you're getting pulled over for speeding, you might not want to shoot the rocket at the police officer, right? You just, you know, cause you need to save those for real danger. So I think the game expressly has that dynamic of, yes, you've got powerful stuff, but you are not a God. You do not have unlimited fonts of power. You do have to make those decisions. And if players are too care, uh, too careful with their stuff and being stingy then find interesting ways to punish them for it, without making it seem like you're expressly doing that. 
Um, it, the best way is to just wrap up the adventuring day and have them go to bed with all their spell slots. They're going to start feeling like they're they're being silly. Um, the other thing you can do as well is establish a protocol so that everyone has fun in advance by saying like, I'm only planning on doing two to three encounters per traveling day, you know, for an hour. Just like have that discussion with the play group. Like, do you want me to think about that? Or do you want me not to think about that? And like, that's advice I'm giving you, but I didn't ask my play group. So we're only humans. If you can think of it, ask. If not, you might be doing 15 sessions over one day. And that's uh, that takes place over one game day. So sometimes that's just how it goes. But generally speaking, in life, you don't know whether you should burn your big moves on any situation. So I don't see why anyone in D&D should be given that advice without, let's say, consulting with the gods. And you can let them know there's ways to consult with the gods if they'd like to be more religious. Uh, they might be able to get some of that advice, uh, I guess, or, or anything else you can imagine in that way. You can give them advice without it being direct DM advice. Uh, if you can kind of push them towards an NPC or a situation that might help help them make those decisions better. Cool. Was that a lot? I was all over the place, that was but good. I was pre- prepared for it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounded great. Yeah. Okay. Um, right, and would you guys ever do a branched-off type of adventure where you all play as the children of Nash? Oh, dude, I would not ask <laughs> anyone else to do that. I'm yeah, in. no, I, who wants to play freaking fork or spoon or whatever the hell his name is? Like nobody wants whoa, to. Whoa, whoa! Nobody wants to be those kids. Three of us would want to play fork and spoon yeah. and pipe. Well, and what Nash I mean things. is, like this weird offshoot of all. Even though that stuff came from you know that's from the mind of Bo, which I highly respect or whatever. I feel bad. <laughs> I feel or bad whatever. if all my or whatever. No, yeah. I mean I feel bad if all my friends were not forced, but you know, felt pressured to be in a game where they had to play Nash's offspring. That just sounds like <laughs> Oh, there no, would be no pressure like, about it. Yeah, you don't have to commit to anything. Like these characters have no personality yet, so mm-hmm. they could be a perfect reflection of Nash. They could be the anti-Nash. Like mm-hmm. they could be an extremely thoughtful, like Pipe could come out and just be like, Well, my father was a bit reckless. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he handled things the way he necessarily should. So I want yeah, to be yeah, very no, careful is... when I cast my spell, and I'd like to use all my sorcery points. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if we do, if we do a campaign too, because I just don't like counting my chickens before they get hatched or anything. But I'm open to a lot of different things. I'll just say that. Okay, including you know, there will be dungeons part two. Those the son of Na- the, the sons of Nash. This is like the sitcom spinoff. Sons, sons, sons of Nash Archie. Oh my lord! It's a terrible idea. But yes, if we had, I mean, you know, if there was some reason to do it, I suppose we could. If you had to play one of your sons, which would it be, Scott? Ooh. Uh, probably. Is it four sons? I thought there's a daughter in there too. There's no daughters. Oh, boys. Was it all is sons? There? I yeah. can't. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. If we I forget. Well, I don't unless, know if we know. Actually, I guess I don't know. I've been assuming boys because we've never made a distinction. I thought I said that information. <laughs> I hope I wrote it down. So, oh, it's on the show. I'll go back. And okay. Listen. I mean, well, it's hard to write tell. It down, we just make it up. Right? When they when they come out of boot, it's not like you're going. Where's the vagina? Like you don't know. Yeah. I well, I might have been so caught up. <laughs> I might have been so caught up in my um my my secret plot that they were going to come out as the objects they were that I might have forgotten to even gender them. Yeah. Like in my mind, you yeah. know, like sure. That's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. Um, probably boot because I think that's funny. I just think it's funny that the kids a boot. So whether that boy or girl doesn't matter. Boot's my favorite. 
I want Nash Jr. to be the girl. If there's a girl, I want it to be Nash Jr. So <laughs> we can make we can make things happen. Yeah, we could. Yes. If it hasn't been decided yet, I mean, why not? We'd have to okay. assume a lot, but I think yeah. it was just decided. I think we just decided that. <laughs> <laughs> a big lore drops. Captain on the bonus show. That's that's fantastic. Well done. Oh, Burrell, is there anything you're going to do to honor Omnom, who indeed was his most honest and honorable follower and strongest dude single-handedly fighting off a horde of demons before you guys came? Oh, I wish artists and craftsmen was more interesting, but sadly it's super limited to just those few items that I normally make. Otherwise, in Varel's world, you vacate your body the second you die the body isn't you anymore and he would have made a slick pair of boots for somebody out of those feet (laughs) (laughs) and they would have been glorious boots in the feet of omnom leaving his footprints no less you as you walk you leave footprints of omnom wow i mean the the feet are still there (laughs) that's true yeah they totally are still there maybe you can send back uh some tieflings to go collect it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Get Did on they that. Give any buffs? Oh, yeah. Buffs. You, you leave lizard bo- bo- footprints. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else is, what else is even there? That's it. It's the ultimate. I think we have exactly. time for at least one more. Do we have one more at least? Yeah, of course. Uh, this one, was there any part of Stanley that gave thought to actually rejoining with Diantalis and maybe achieving godhood himself? Oh, yeah. All the time. Stanley knows he's up against the ropes with his mission. Like he, he very quickly realized how outclassed he was in just about every regard uh, all the way through this journey. And that has been the nagging voice in the back of his head. The entire time was kind of what he told hope tonight, which was the first bit was, you know, if you worked with me, we could do great things. And he set off initially to rebuild society and his belief at the time was society at any cost. Like I will be evil if it makes the world a better place. That's not a problem. That was the mantra he had in the beginning and he, he quickly changed his tune, but it's always in the back of his mind as a possibility. He's actively fighting against it. Nice. Well, uh, one day, maybe, We'll see you two reunite. You're united finally. The the two uh, lovers, Stanley and Diane Tallis. Uh, anyway, well, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening, everybody. There's our uh, half hour show we do every month. And if you want more of these, well, then just keep supporting us and you'll get them very first thing as soon as they're done. It's going up today, which means you're hearing it tonight on November 1st, the first of the month. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next month with another and, of course, a bunch of episodes of the actual show in between. If you have any questions for us, thoughts, or comments, head on over to the website. You'll find everything you need. There will be dungeons.com. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.